at Mom Life presented by Kids Dentistry, welcoming new smiles at Kids Dentistry. With safety as their top priority and easy online scheduling for new patients, Kids Dentistry is where healthy smiles grow. Visit kidsdentistry.com. That's dentistry spelled D-E-N-T-I-S-T-R-E-E. Welcome to That Mom Life. I'm Sarah Jordan, and this week I am super excited to be joined by a fellow radio professional, Brooke Fox, who you and I have met via my parent company, Alpha Media, because (laughs) you had a syndicated show, and I once got to meet you in Portland, and your show used to be on here in Louisville, which was amazing. But of course, when I saw you when we met in Portland, where my corporate office is, I was like, here's a woman who is a mother who is a kicking butt in the industry. And I have to go shake this woman's hand. Oh, that is so nice, Sarah. I always feel like I'm barely holding on, but you know what? I like your description better. I feel like that's just being a mom is barely holding on. And the fact that you're, morning, you're surviving on very little sleep every single day. I mean, like you're on a thread of sanity. I feel like at all times. Well, you know, that, that was the one nice thing about doing mornings is I have been accustomed for many, many years to not sleeping very much. So, you know, that that piece, I, I was pretty, I handled pretty well when I became a mom. But my kids now, my youngest is four. He just turned four. My other one's six. And I, I think you have little ones still. Believe it or not, they will sleep again. Well, so I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, okay. and a 15-month-old. Okay, so, so you you run the whole gamut. Yes. So my, seven, my seven-year-old, of course, my oldest, easiest baby. <laughs> well, that's why they tricked you into having more. I mean, hundred percent. Yeah, I was a little bit trickier, but still, I was like, eh. third one. I'm like, what is happening to me? <laughs> I mean, literally, just last week, she tripped and fell, and I had to take her to the hospital to get stitches. And she's 15 months oh, old. Oh, baby. I know. Yeah. And I'm like, she's a little redhead. She has a little spitfire. I mean, this girl scares me a little bit because of how smart she is. And I'm like, well, I, I hope this is good for later. But like, she's the kid that thinks that a bookshelf is a ladder. I mean, yeah. That's that kind of situation. <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. So it, always, it always makes it super fun. So I just to be clear. So do you your profession? You are part of a morning show team and you syndicate syndicate a across multiple markets across the country. Yeah, we're in like, oh, I don't know where we're at right now, 50 or 60 cities right now. Um, big cities, little cities, you know, all, all of them. I think Chicago is our biggest market, um, but our home base is in Seattle. How does that, does your mind properly wrap around the fact of how many people are listening to your shenanigans on a daily basis? No, not at all. <laughs> um, not at, I, you know, I grew up in a town of, uh, I think the population sign usually read 740 people in the town I grew up in. So I remember moving into my like first real apartment building and thinking, oh my God, there are more people in this apartment building than there are in my entire town. So no, I can't really wrap my mind around the amount of people that I, that listen, but I'm really thankful that they do. So growing up in a town of 700, then everybody knows everybody, everybody's in each other's business, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to some extent. Yeah. But it's not like (laughs) people always paint like small town life as like, suburb life. It's very different from that. It's not white picket fences. It's more like meth houses and domestic oh. violence. 
you know, super glamorous then. Yeah. Real glamorous. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I love the town I grew up in. I really do. But there, there are a lot of problems when it comes to like, you know, living in low income areas that I think anyone who's ever lived in a low income area can, can relate to whether that's, you know, inner city or, or rural America. So when you were growing up in a tiny town, did you have big city dreams? Mm, I mean, I knew I wasn't going to stay there, but I, I have never been real clear. I've never had a real clear vision of what I want to do. I'm kind of a roll with the punches type of lady, which is funny to say since I've been in radio for so many years, but, um, yeah, I ended up in radio by chance. I, I ended up majoring in journalism in at the University of Montana by chance because I was good. In the, I was a fine arts major and they happened to stick us during orientation with the journalism kids because we were both a small group of people. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to sign up for that, too. So, yeah. When you say and when fine I, arts, what does what were you intending to do, perhaps? You know, be poor. <laughs> I was like, I was going to be a painter. I don't know. I was going to create. I was going to be a creator. Again, not a lot of clear visions. We didn't have a vision board going, Sarah. No, there was no Pinterest then. No. <laughs> we didn't go in there and make a board of sorts and figure out things. I mean, when you first went to college, then it stumbled upon journalism. Was there something that drew you to it? Was it like, I'm going to be a TV anchor? I'm going to be, I want to be oh, like God, no. or was it no. the radio side of, they get to wear jeans and talk into a microphone and listen to music. <laughs> No, none of that. You know, what's funny is um, I, I put off taking my one news news radio class until like my super senior semester because I wasn't interested and I did not want to be a news anchor. I thought that all you did was read copy and that sounded terrible to me. I wanted to tell stories and create stories and do long form documentaries. And I really felt like this true sense of, of um, you know, being a beacon of truth and holding up what is a democracy and all of the very, <laughs> very pure, unjaded things that you think in college as you're out to go change the world. And then you stumbled into journalism and they took you away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, radio, you mean? Yeah, I, I was working for a TV station in Spokane, Washington. And I, right after I graduated, and I needed more money because I had moved back home. The little town I grew up in was like an hour from there. And so I needed more money. And I'm like, oh, I'll do anything. I'll work in any department. So I was doing everything from traffic, which if people don't know is commercials, where I was just logging commercials for the station. I was editing. I was doing the Saturday morning news editor. I was running cameras. And they happened to own seven radio stations. And they had an opening for a sidekick gig on this morning show that I grew up listening to. And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll do that too. I need the money. And I auditioned. I think there's like seven other people that auditioned and they gave me the job. And radio just happened to be the first, first that uh, offered me a full-time gig. And I signed my first contract for a whole $17,000 a year. <laughs> you know Which, what? Oh my God. It still baffles me that they even had me sign a contract. My first contract that I signed, I want to say was 24. Wow. Look at you, you baller. 
know what? And you know what I did with that? I went and bought a two seater red convertible as if I was like. <laughs> That's like, amazing. Why did my parents let me do that? And they're like, well, you wanted to. I'm like, but why didn't you tell me that was literally all of my salary? Yeah. I, I was driving around a Jetta that I bought from the Russian mafia that was rebuilt. So when it rained, the whole ceiling would fill up with water. And then when I would stop, the water would slush forward and start raining down on me. That sounds terrible. <laughs> you know. That's one of my favorite things about radio is that everyone assumes that we lead these like super glamorous lives. You probably do more so now, especially. But I mean, at first, it's just like, I don't think people realize when you're first starting in, I feel like any media role, whether it's TV, whether it's print, whether it's radio, the starting salaries are like bottom of the barrel, get your foot in the door. It's very like earn your way in. You got to make your way to the top. Say yes to all the opportunities because I, I don't know. I mean, that's just how I grew up in the industry too. I, I was the, the, the straight A student that went to school thinking I was going to be the next like Diane Sawyer. And then I was like, Oh God, TV is not for me. Mm. And then they were like, you should come over to the radio station. You get extra credit hour. And I was like, sweet extra credits. And so I went in there my very first semester of college and I was like, Oh, I like that microphone. This is a good time. Mm -hmm. And then I, I started when I was 20 just before I turned 20 full time. And then now I've been here almost 15 years, which is terrifying. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just crazy how those things kind of land. And everyone always asks, and I'm sure you've been asked a million times, well, how'd you get your start in the industry? What did you do? And sometimes it's like, uh, I said yes to the right, being in the right place at the right time. I mean, I, yeah, I auditioned, I mean whatever it is. I think there's that, but I also think that there's like the work ethic side of it. Like I worked my ass off, you know, my, I, I would say my entire career, but, um, even, even in the beginning, uh, you know, I was only a sidekick on that show for like two or three months and then they got moved to another station. And so the boss kept me on and he did something really cool. It was a top 40 station in Spokane and we just happened to have really strong female, um, personalities. And he ended up making the entire station everyday part was a female jock. But what was cool about it, which is, I think, a big downfall of radio, is that he didn't promote it that way. It wasn't something where it was, hey, this is the estrogen hour. Check out these chicks, you know, um, and he didn't buy into the cliche of it. He just let it be. And it did really well. I mean, I, I quit just because I needed I needed to learn more um, than I felt like I could learn there. And it, it was no one's fault. Like, I really enjoyed my time there immensely and still have dear friends from from that very first job I had. But I thought it was so brilliant that that he didn't use it as like a cheesy promotional tool. And it's right, because why would there wouldn't be a gimmick if it was all dudes who happened to be the personalities? You wouldn't say, oh, it's the all dude show with the all dude station. I mean, you would just, it would just be normal. It wasn't a gimmick. It was just strong female voices on a radio station. And it really worked. What an amazing way to start, though, with having a boss that believes in that. 
And that would, I, I agree with you. They totally could have positioned and I can see this, like I'm literally writing the imaging in my head of how they could have positioned it. But instead it was just like, no, these are the best talents we want in these roles. And that's what we're going to do. Yeah. I mean, I did another uh, morning, all girl morning show um, years later in Seattle and we did position it that way. And it's a regret of mine. I wish we hadn't because I think that it played too much into the tropes of being female. If that makes sense. No, it, it totally does. And, and yeah, and that was, yeah, it was a suggestion from above and it wasn't like, it wasn't a bad suggestion. It wasn't made out of malice, but it, it just didn't, I think it took away from, from what we could have done that, you know, anyway. So I, I, when you sent me your bio, you were like, it imploded. <laughs> so I, then you're like on to your next move. Again, another thing about the radio industry and most media things is that you do tend to move around a little bit, whether you're trying to get more experience on air in management, move to a bigger market. Moving is sometimes a part of that. So did you end up moving around quite a bit in these roles or were these all relatively close cities? You know, I was really lucky in that I'm a Northwest kid. You know, I grew up in a tiny town in North Idaho. I went to school at the University of Montana. Uh, my first radio job was in Spokane, Washington. And then my second was in Portland, Oregon. And then um, and then I moved up to Seattle. So I stayed in the Northwest the entire time. I've done, I don't know, uh, quite a few shows in that time. That's a long period of time. <laughs> But uh, yeah, you know, I I really like this little upper left corner of the United States. Not that the rest of the United States isn't great. And I have family literally everywhere. Um, but, you know, it's 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 nice to be able to be in the in the home woods. When did you end up meeting your husband? Oh, he's so cute. I met him when I was uh, the bright age of how old was I? Twenty seven. And we met because he came to, oh, okay, let me back up. So he is a, he's a videographer, producer, editor, and he worked for a Seattle TV station and they wanted him to cover some more lifestyle events. So he saw from, or he was told by a friend of ours that, hey, there's this morning show. It's called the ladies room. It's this all girl morning show and they're having their, one year anniversary, that'd be kind of a cool event for you to cover. And then him not knowing this, but she called the show and was like, Brooke, I'm bringing this guy that I work with. She was a weather girl at the station he was working at. And he's so cute. And you're just going to love him. And I'm like, Oh God, you know, like being set up in my experience prior to this was always like, you've got to be kidding me. This is what you think that I does. This is who you think I should be with. Are you joking me? Have you ever lost a friend because of oh, my God, with? I'm like, what? This is who you think? This? Oh, okay. Well, you have a terrible image of me, but he shows up and he's darling and so hot. And I was like, what? And so I proceeded to drink five glasses of wine at this event. Oh, and blatantly hit on him. I told like a really bad off color uh, UTI joke at one point. I mean, I'm a pretty forward woman and he did not ask for my phone number. I was like, oh, how dare he? But then he emailed me the next day and was like, oh, look at this video that I did. I'm like, oh, he's flirting still. Well, fast forward 
I don't know, maybe a month and a half later, we had seen each other at a couple of other events and he still hadn't asked for my number. I'm like, what is going on with this dude? Well, I find out that he had a girlfriend. I had no idea. So I was like, totally embarrassed, but also like, what the hell? Pissed. I was pissed. So I emailed him and I said, oh my God, I am so sorry. I had no idea you had a girlfriend. I was blatantly hitting on you. I would never do that had I known. I totally apologize. And then a week later, they were broken up. Okay. So yeah. So, and then we started dating, I don't know, a couple weeks after that. Okay, so did he, like, admit that he knew you were hitting on him, or did he not realize it, or just did he, was a, did the breakup have nothing to do with you whatsoever? Um, I think, I mean, from his, from, you know, his opinion, the breakup was waiting to happen for a long time. Gotcha. And he obviously, Sarah, fell madly in love with me the first time he saw me. <laughs> no, but he did say he couldn't stop thinking of me and that it, that that he knew that he needed to, you know, end, end things. He would never want to overlap or anything. So it was all on the up and up. So when you guys started dating, was it like an immediate attraction, a mutual, like you were both in it and you were just like, this is different? Oh, my God. Absolutely. Oh, so much. So he was the first guy because I had a rule before him that I would never say I love you first. I'd say it after a dude told me, but I wouldn't ever say it first. And he was the first guy that I told I love you to first. And it was literally like it was going to burst out of my heart. Like I couldn't stop from saying it. I am like happy goosebumps. That makes oh my God. Sense. Okay, you say that. And then do you know what he said back to me after I finally said it, Sarah? You're nice. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, what? Again, what are you doing? So then a couple weeks after that, we hiked to the top of Mount St. Helens. And, um, you know, the volcano that erupted in Washington. And he thought that maybe we were going to die because we didn't come prepared. We were like, had tennis shoes and it was no big deal. And he is a much more prepared person than I. And so I think his life flashed before his eyes. And then that night he told me for the first time that he loved me. It was really sweet. So how far into the relationship was this that you guys said you loved each other? Oh, like three, four months. That's about how my husband and I were. We were also set up by one of my best friends. And my response was, hey, as long as he's paying for dinner, I'll take a free meal. (laughs) (laughs) As the day went on, like even by the end of the first date, I was like, oh, there's something different there. Oh, it was totally different. I, I try to explain this to people who if they're struggling with stuff, I'm like, I'm telling you, there should not be games there. It it really is. It's not necessarily love at first sight, but you do have a feeling something is different. And I I give my husband a hard time because, um, we had been dating for a few weeks and this and that, and things were, let's just say progressing. And I said, I'm not going to be one of those girls. And, um, so what are you going to do about it? And he's like, well, do you want to be my girlfriend then? And I was like, uh, yeah. And then I remember it was like a couple months later, I knew I loved him. And I, same thing. I was like bursting at the seams. I was like, he has to tell me, he has to tell me. And so I like had to like dangle the carrot. I was like, I think I'm falling for you. Oh God, you're much classier than I am. I mean, I think that the difference for me, honestly, it, it wasn't like that I, I don't know that I believe in like love at first sight, but I definitely believe in he was the first person where I felt wholly 
like, not that I had a piece missing, but I felt like I could completely be who I was and felt 100% comfortable around him in the same way I would feel comfortable with my sister or my mom or my dad. Not that he was family, but that I had zero guard up. And that is rare. And because, again, I, I, if, if you're meeting somebody and you're not showing your true self, then how can you know that they love you for you? And then I just think that that eventually could be a recipe for disaster. Well, right. There was a lot of disasters before him. <laughs> <laughs> now, were you already in your industry? You were already in, you were celebrating your anniversary. Did, since he was already in, well, I wouldn't say a, a somewhat of a similar field. Did he care at all that you were like the on-air star? No. God, no. I don't think that matters. I mean, No. Well, see, and that's, I bring, I bring that up because that was one of the first things that attracted me to my husband. He was like, what do you do for a living? And this was a course set up on a blind date. And one of my voice tracks came on the air and I was like, oh, well, that's what I do. And he was like, oh, okay, cool. And it was like, not a thing. Whereas other guys tried to completely use that and thought that was the cool part. And I'm like, I don't mm. care. I don't want you to like me for my job. That is not who I, I mean, it is who I am, but I mean, it's such a, a fragment of who I am. So mm. I think it's a, a like my husband has never cared of the crazy things I have to do for my job for travel or parties or whatever. It's always just been okay. I got it. Whatever. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's been a different kind of man to be able to handle. I, I would say females in the kind of roles that we're in. Yeah, I could I could see that. I mean, I I definitely um, had briefly dated people before him. It wouldn't last very long. That um, were maybe intimidated. Uh, by, I wouldn't say by my job, but by me being very career driven. I think that Correct. those are, and that's two different more things. what I'm getting at. Not necessarily what the job was, but the fact of how career driven it was, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys, you guys are super cute. I follow you guys on social media. Oh, thanks. He hates social, social media. media. He hates it all. <laughs> <laughs> what is my husband? He hates social media. He, I think we're still engaged on his Facebook page. That was the last time that he logged in. <laughs> my husband deactivated his Facebook page. Yeah. I can't even, like tag him in a family photo. Yeah. I'm like, honey, you like, he, cause he owns his own video business, like videography stuff. And, and I'm like, you should probably get like a, I don't know, like an Instagram or something to like promote yourself. He's like, I don't need to do that. I'm like, you're in media. And he's like, yeah. And guess what? I'm fully booked for the next six months. I'm like, okay, you're right. <laughs> you know, I, you and I don't have a choice, but I, I often say that to my husband because he'll be like looking over my shoulder, like, what you looking at? Who's this? And I'm like, I'm on Instagram. And I was like, if you want to scroll Instagram, get your own account. Like, don't <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so you and your husband got married. Yes, and did. how super cute was your wedding day? I'm assuming it was adorable. Um, we had a parade. And he, ah! and he rode in on a camel. Shut up. That's <laughs> no. So in our, in my little tiny hometown, um, my mom went around to all the businesses and got the okay, which by all, I mean like the six that are on main street for us to shut down main street, which Maine is spelled like the state, not without the E because that's how my town is. Um, and we shut down main street and everyone who came to the to the wedding was part of the parade. And we had a, my, my aunt, my grandfather's a magician. So um, my aunt did some of, brought some of his old magic tricks where she like holds a huge ginormous American flag out of a 
I don't know what it is, like a cannon or whatever. And then I had another aunt who was 74 and was the majorette, dressed in a majorette costume and led a high school band down. And then Michael came in on a camel. So it was rad. Um, I, I, okay. First of all, one of the coolest wedding stories I've ever heard. <laughs> now, that just kind of... Was this like a dream of yours that you wanted where you were like, what am I getting rid of? I'm great. Is this no. just something that's so inspired? No, I mean, my parents live right off of Main Street, and I knew I wanted to get married in where my hometown. And there's not, you know, <laughs> well, you don't know because you've never been there. Um, there's no hotel to speak of or scenic, like, I mean, it's a beautiful area. But there's no wedding venue. So I was like, well, where can we do it? And I'm like, oh my God, what if we did it right on Main Street? And then it kind of like ballooned and got a little bit out of control. At one point when my husband was coming down on the camel, <laughs> he said, he said, because this is like four o'clock on a Saturday. So there's a lot like there's, you know, it's, it's a biker town, right? So think like big Harley dudes. And one of the dudes stumbled out of Joe's hole and he goes, hey, buddy. There's still time. And Michael's like, yo, man, I'm on a camel. There is not time to turn around anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of happened like the rest of my life. Like, I, I just see an opportunity. I latch on and then things get a little out of control. I couldn't love that more. That, <laughs> I, I need to see some pictures because that is epic on a new level I've never heard of. I mean, there's something that your guests will forever talk about. Hey, what was the favorite wedding you went to? The one with the camel. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. It was an amazing, amazing day. So how long have you guys been married now? Uh, nine years. Nine years. Yes. And you've got, you have, you said they're six and four, correct? Yes. About to be seven. She tells me every day that she's six and nine, nine and three quarters. And I'm like, that doesn't okay. make sense, but we're going to pass that. A lot. We'll just move past that. Yeah, I have two two little ones. Two. Nora is the oldest. She's a girl, obviously. And then um, Alder is my son. So this is a very loaded question that I, you could spend an entire podcast on. How has being a mom changed who you are? Oh, gosh. I mean, that's hard, Sarah. I mean, it changes you in ways that you can't really articulate, you know? Um, I am more fearful than I've ever been in my life. 100%. Uh, way more cautious than I ever was. Um, and, you know, they just bring me so much freaking joy. I just get so much joy from them. And I try not to put that pressure on them, but they make me so happy. Oh, they're just wonderful, wonderful people. And I am incredibly proud to be their, their mom. Do you find yourself often looking at them still in amazement almost seven and five years later? Like I made those, those are my children. No, I often think that I'm too young to be a mom. And then I realize that, oh wait, no, by biology, I may actually be too old soon. <laughs> <laughs> but at my heart, I feel like I'm too young. Okay. I feel like that's also an industry thing. Cause I very much feel like, oh, I'm really close to my like mid twenties, early twenties. And I'm like, 
And then I think about the age difference between me and those people in like times of life. And I'm like, oh no, they were listening to me on the air when they were in grade school. Yeah. That's a bigger age difference than I realized. Yeah. I have to look at my kids and I'm just sit there in awe of them. I do this almost every day at one moment or another where I cannot believe that they're my children that I made them. And then you're also right. I'm like, and then I'm old enough to have three children. And now I'm dealing with like a first grader and a kindergartner going, yeah. that happened. Oh my God. They make time go so fast. So fast. Yeah. Which I mean, like we started with saying that life is crazy. And then you add being a full-time working mom on top of it. I mean, there's just very little time to slow down. Um, but I don't know, you know, I don't know that I think any mom doesn't slow down, whether you stay at home or you're working. I mean, I just, I just think that that's a constant state of motherhood is this state of, um, always in movement, right? Like inertia or whatever. Um, but I, I feel really fortunate in doing morning radio that I get to go to work before they wake up. (laughs) My poor husband has to deal with the entire morning routine, but you know what? He is a great partner. And I really feel like if you can find someone who takes on parenting legitimately 50% and does it without being asked, like, unfortunately it's rare, but I think it's so important. Um, so I'm really, I just, I just really appreciate him in, in so many ways, but, um, yeah. And then I get home, I typically get home around two ish so I can pick my daughter up from school when school is actually happening. Um, and you know, my son's at home, but yeah, I get lots of time with them. Like a lot of other working moms don't get that. They get home at dinner time and, and they miss all the fun. They just have the work part. And that, that I think would be really, really challenging. That's the strange part is um, between maternity leave and the pandemic, I've been home. I was only back for like a month. And so I've been home for over 15 months at this point. Mm. And, but at the same time with the other two, I went back to work after seven weeks. And I was at the office working a more traditional schedule. And you're right. By the time I got home, it was six and I'm trying to cook dinner and my husband worked later than I do. So I was always doing that like by myself. And I'm like, this is so hard because then I don't have time to play. We need to eat. Like, yeah. The the working schedule is not set up to have parents succeed. It's just not. I I mean, like, and you, there's so much resentment that gets built up. I mean, for the first year and a half, uh, my husband had a normal schedule where um, he would work and get home at like seven two, and that was really straining on our relationship. And then he ended up freelancing. So even though he's still working, he's working from home, and he has been for the last like four years. So we get you know a twenty minute break where we can go take a walk together, and that that is. It, it really saves us. You know, that's, I think that you're right about it, the traditional schedule because my husband doesn't get home till seven. Yeah. So it's re- coming, it's crazy. He's coming home in the chaos of trying to get kids put to bed. Oh. He's seeing them at their worst. Absolutely. Putting them to bed. And then I'm like, Oh wait, when are we going to hang out? So it's now in 2020, thanks to the pandemic, I got to be home with my kids and with virtual learning. I got to be home and not have to use like my breast pump. I got to be there yeah. with my baby. When with my second, we had to make a morning show change the week I got back from maternity leave and I had to take on mornings, um, which by the way, I had not done before at the time. And I'm like literally like pumping milk on the air while hosting the show and running the board. Yeah. And 
if you listen quietly, you can hear my breast pump and like yeah. some of those verbals back then. And I'm like, I have no idea how in the world that that yeah. happened. But I was so thankful that I, I've gotten to be home with my third and I've gotten to see her take her first steps versus getting a video from the babysitter. Um, and I know that we're going to be wrapping up in a few minutes, but long story short, we built a multi-generational house with my parents. So my parents yeah. are here. Oh, and that's so nice. Retired. So that in the last year of who knew this could have happened or predicted it, but they've been able to help take care of the baby. They've been able to help me. Oh, that's sweet. While I've been working in the home and my husband leaves because he's in more of a medical field. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a, it's a crazy little shift. And I know it's a very loaded question to say how his mother had changed you. <laughs> I was just trying to help my friend this week. She went back to work for the first time yesterday. And for after her first was born, first leap from maternity to leave. And she's like, my baby's going to hate me. He's going to be mad at me. And I'm like, it's not, but it's, it takes so much time and it's constantly changing. And it like foundationally changes parts of who you are. I used to want to jump out of an airplane. I just like you, I don't want to jump out of an airplane anymore. I barely want to ride a roller coaster anymore because I need to be a to my babies. And well, not to mention, but I have motion sickness since pregnancy. <laughs> and then your literal body chemistry changes. That, yeah. that too, that's the other part of it. That's the fun side effect that they can't predict for you. And so you right. do it later. So yeah. It's nuts. It's nuts, but it's like the best way possible. <laughs> it is. It's good. And, you know, I just, as, as hard as, as the world is right now, I just feel incredibly fortunate to have a healthy family, knock on wood, and a job that I've, I love right now more than I've ever, I think, loved working in radio and um, a great team that I'm working with and our show um, right now, honestly, I think is putting out the best content we ever have. And we're just in this, this, I don't know, rhythm of creativity and trust and communication that, you know, we're, I hope will continue to grow for years. So I, I feel really, really, really fortunate right now. And, you know, the, in the type of radio that we're in, I think that, um, it is, I don't know about you, but it's been one of the most challenging years because you wake up and you're like, how are we going to tackle this on the air? Um, and then we also, and then I get reminded that we're often the escape for people. You're their best friend that they're looking to hear, make them laugh in the morning, or they're trying to hear a story that they can tell their friends about when they get to work or when they're telling their husband at home and they're stuck there. I mean, it's been a crazy year that there's, I've never had so many times where I'm like, I've been doing this for over almost 15 years and I don't know how to talk about this. I don't know what to do. So then I just do what I know how to do best. And then you move forward. So I'm, I'm so thankful that you guys are, are not only just um, surviving, but even in a place where you're even possibly thriving more. Yeah, we're, we're doing really well. We really are. And, um, you know, we're, we're not a place where you're going to find news. If you, if you look to us for news and world events, then, nope, nope. um, you, you, might even be better off looking at Facebook. I don't know. <laughs> we're, we're there to make you laugh, to to have some fun, to bring some levity in a world that needs it. And, you know, that that's how we see our role. 
Exactly. Exactly. And Brooke, you do just that. And I'm so glad we finally got to connect from coast. Well, not quite on the coast. I'm a Midwestern gal, um, but I need to, I need to explore your corner more of the United States because I'm yeah. in that entire corner. So we'll put that on the to-do list soon. Hopefully at some sort of radio summit, I will run into you again. I recently Wait, wait, Sarah, aren't you, in, aren't you in, aren't you in Louisville? Yeah. You consider that Midwest? No. What do you think we are? Oh, God. I, I was in love with a man from Kentucky, and he always considered himself East Coast. Did he lie to me that entire time? East Coast? Yes. No. Oh, my God. That's so funny. Okay. No. It just blew my mind. Okay. Now I'm confused. I don't consider us East Coast at all. Well, that's how. Some people call Kentucky the South. Well, that uh, yeah, I think maybe Southern. That's what he'd say. I, I, I'm from Louisville. I'm, well, he wasn't from Louisville. He was from Greensboro. But yeah, so Kentucky. Um, I have been South. Been okay. The South. I technically live in Southern Indiana, but it's within the metro of the Louisville area. Okay. Um, okay. But I'm technically a Hoosier, and the Indiana is definitely Midwest, even though I'm yeah, literally for sure. in metro counties. But, I mean, we're definitely Midwestern. We're not okay. supposed to at all. Okay. Southern. All right. All right. <laughs> Look at you. You're just giving my geography okay. lesson. That's what I needed today. Okay. You know what? You learned something today. I'm glad <laughs> that I can that fountain of knowledge to, to point the map. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Brooke, you're the absolute best. I love listening to you, following you on social media because, again, you're a delight and uh, a fellow mom in radio. I just obviously gravitate towards anyway. Oh, so. right back at you, Sarah. You're rad. Have a great day and thank you so much for taking time. Thank you, Brooke.